0: Live, presented by Kaleida
1: Health. Welcome to Draft Week. It's finally here. It feels like we've been waiting for a half a year. Good lord! It's one <laughs> Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab in for Steve. Steve will be back tomorrow. And uh, before we dive headlong into all of the stuff that's flying around now in the midst of lying season, Maddie, did you? Did you? Managed to find a way to enjoy yourself this weekend because we're going to be neck deep in this stuff all week.
2: I know we're going to be living here this weekend, so had to find a way to enjoy this past weekend. I was in Pittsburgh for the weekend, so it was fun to get away, get out of Buffalo for a couple days. Um, not the best weather, I know it wasn't the best weather in Buffalo either, but it's all good. My husband had his 25 year anniversary formal for his fraternity, he hasn't been. He hasn't been graduated for 25 years, but mm. it was the 25-year anniversary of the fraternity oh, house that okay, he was okay, in. Oh, I
1: gotcha. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's cool. So it was
2: cool. a good time. A road to, trip. Like, got to uh, pretend like we were in college for a few days. <laughs> I yeah, feel that's, so old that's walking, always nice. walking on campuses I now. Yeah, I, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: I, I get it. I have kids in college, so <laughs> imagine how old I feel. Uh, yeah, that's cool. The weather was horrible. Uh, this weekend, unfortunately, I we got out Saturday night just for some dinner with some college friends. Ironically enough, college, Love it. college friends. So it's always good to catch up with, you know, people you spent um, some of your more adventurous years with mm-hmm. old stories and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. But like yesterday, I'm like, all right, let's try to get some yard work done because that's starting up now. And it's just like, I'm not standing out in this stuff. I could see my breath. At six o'clock putting the it garbage cans out yes last night I was just like come on where are we here we gotta we need a break and it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon because I don't see us at least on the long range forecast getting out of the 50s like I was like can we get sixty like am I are we asking for t-?
2: Too much What the heck's going on? Which selfish me looked at the weather this week, and I was like, hmm, it's not going to be warm this weekend. It doesn't matter. We'll be be working the whole weekend anyways. (laughs) We're working.
1: We're going to be inside, so it's not like we'll be missing anything. But for everybody else that's uh, trying to get out in what we are supposed to refer to as spring, Mm. best of luck. Yeah, Best of luck. All right. It is draft week, and there is a lot of stuff flying around. I would say the biggest thing that has has it had its tires pumped more than anything else is this perceived slide of CJ Stroud because he reportedly didn't turn in uh, a good result on the S2 cognition test which we've talked about on this show he actually had the one of the co-inventors of that test on the show a little while back and apparently he did not do well uh, on the cognition test but i think this is one of those things that because it's something that can be measured and it wasn't good that the media in general latches onto it and it becomes so much bigger than than it probably is in the eyes of the scouting community. do you know what I mean like I feel and like I, it's got more traction than it should
2: yeah, and I feel like something like this, not saying something like the testing or or the wonderlick or an s two test score comes out at at the last and late hours leading up until the NFL draft, but you always hear some talk and some chatter about a couple of prospects in the days leading up to the NFL draft that people are saying, Oh, this is really going to increase their draft stock, or this is something bad that we found out that now this player is going to drop several spots um, when he should have gone at at this place. Now he's going to go at this place. So, I, w- I was waiting for something like this, not for CJ. Stroud, but I was like, what is going to be the thing that we were we are talking about leading up to the NFL draft yep. and is CJ Stroud's S2 cognition test score that is it true that he had a low score? Is, where did this information come from? Right. I know it, I know it came from a very reputable source, the guy who um, shared the information that it was a low score. Um,
1: I would tend to think if it's not true, his agent would be all All over over
2: it it, and
1: refuting it to high heaven. But even if it is legit, I think we have to remember that at least as far as personnel evaluators are concerned, it's just a piece of the puzzle. Now at quarterback, it might be a little bit more important because that test is based largely on a player's ability to process things quickly. You know, as we kind of learned when we had the guy on the show, um, But I think there's a body of work component here that often carries the day for personnel evaluators in this league. And while it may ding a guy a little bit, I don't know if it's enough to completely see C.J. Stroud plummet. So what happens now? He goes six instead of two? Like seven? He's like... I, I'm pretty confident this kid's going to still be a top ten draft <laughs> choice. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm looking at this and it's like okay. And then there's the conspiracy theorist in me that says, okay, who's putting this out there
3: to exactly. get his value
1: exactly. to drop because they actually like him a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? Scare somebody, scare some other team off, mm-hmm. and you know then he drops into your lap if you're picking you know five, six or seven instead of one, two, three, or four.
2: And if you're looking at that number two spot and, and that where the Texans sit at number two, how much is it C.J. Stroud's problem of this cognition test or test score or is it really the Texans will and want that we've kind of heard of in the last week that they might just pass on a quarterback because they would just rather go defense with that number two pick because of who their head coach is and because they really need to add to their defense and and of the model of hey the 49ers have done it in years past bulk up that defense, and worry about a quarterback later. Will there be a quarterback there for them later in the first round where they're sitting at at number 12? 12? Is that an option for them?
1: Right. And the other thing, too, is if Houston, in fact, goes and does that and drafts defense, which I think is a realistic possibility, you got a defensive head coach in D'Amico Ryans who built the San Francisco, Mm -hmm. was part of the architecture of the San Francisco defense there as their former D.C., If they go defense there, Arizona's going to get a King's ransom at three because now pick three represents the opportunity to get the second-best quarterback in the draft, or at least the perceived second-best quarterback in the draft, and, you know, they can can take on all comers. What do you got for me? Oh, hold on. These guys are calling. They might have something better. I I really think that Arizona will be in the catbird seat, and they have one of the weakest rosters in the league right now as it stands. So – they should take as many picks as they can get in return because they need people. One guy that they get at pick two, pick three is not going to change their fortunes this year. They're better off getting five guys and hoping that that collectively lifts the value of their roster and their play on the field. So Houston goes defense. Arizona is rooting for that because then they can move out at three and get a bounty of picks for that spot. And I think we haven't really talked about this all that much, Maddie, but we talk about all these teams that may draft a quarterback. Everybody's expecting Houston to do it at 2 or 12. We know that Carolina's going to do it. Indy at 4. And then one team that people keep skipping over that I think is a wild card here is Detroit at 6. <clears throat> Jared Goff is in the last year of his contract. Yeah. And to me, that is a tailor-made spot for Anthony Richardson a guy that can benefit from watching for a year and, you know, take over the following year if Jared Goff can only get you so far. Now, the Lions claim that, you know, Jared Goff's our guy. We're, you know, we've hitched our wagon to him, this, that, and the other. Well, that's all well and good. But, you know, you get a, a physical talent with gigantic upside and ceiling like Anthony Richardson sitting in front of you at pick six, I think it could happen if he's still there. I don't even know if he's going to be there. Some people think the Colts are going to take Richardson over at Levis, although all the talk now is they like Levis better because he's more NFL-ready to play now, and they do need somebody now. <laughs> but I think if Richardson's on the board for the Lions at 6, because they pick again at 18. They could get that kid at 6 and then get whatever the heck else they need at 18. I mean,
2: that's... I don't think enough people have talked about that. I remember being at the combine, the scouting combine, in early March and, and talking to some people who, who covered the NFC and and covered the Lions and just discussing, okay, where do you think the Lions should go here with the picks that they have? Uh, does defense make more sense than than an offensive player? And, and if so, who would that be? Or is there a surprise pick that you think really makes sense for this team? And I was talking to Carmen Vitale of, of Fox Sports, who's a good friend of mine, and, and she was saying – early on quarterback really makes sense in my opinion here for this team because of what they need to have going forward and moving Uh forward. And you, you look at where the lions are and what they do have and, and how they did this past season. And you kind of start to figure out, okay, what, what's a need for this team going forward is if this is going to be a team that wants to make it to the playoffs consistently, which I think we, we saw that, optimism and we saw we saw what could be for this team this past season a lot of people were getting excited about this team last season with what they put on tape and what with, with what they put out there so I I think quarterback makes sense for them
1: yeah I, I'm just amazed it hasn't been pumped up as much and I don't know maybe maybe the Lions are purposely trying to steer people away from that Narrative, so they can kind of hide in the weeds and then pounce when the opportunity presents itself. But I think that's something to just keep an eye on as night one of the draft unfolds on Thursday. Uh, we also have mock drafts flying furiously here in draft week. At They're the bottom of the hour, right now. Maddie is going to fill us in on the latest installment of mock draft 9.0. Mm-hmm. But there are others that have happened just this week, today, uh, that are worth noting. This one surprised me a little bit, but NBC Sports' Peter King has the Bills taking North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs in the first round of the mock draft at 27.
2: Not in the second.
1: A lot of people have Downs as a second-round prospect, primarily because a lot of people see him as a slot only. He's slightly under five nine and is a short area quickness type receiver, not a long speed or super burst hot, you know, low 40 time guy, but he gets open, makes a lot of catches. He reminds me a little bit of Wes Welker, Um, that kind of mold, if you will. So, I don't know. I mean, there's there are other diminutive receivers that are going to go in round one. A lot of people feel Zay Flowers is going in round one. Jordan Addison's going in round one. This is a new one. I haven't seen too many Josh Downs round one mocks.
2: I've seen it in the ones that we've tracked. It's happened once before. I want to say if I can pull this up really quick. Um... I was a little surprised by that because a lot of people and I've been listening to podcasts like crazy um, the last couple of weeks just to continue prep for the NFL draft. And as I've been going through these mock drafts, you know, Josh Jones has been the name that's popped up in the second round quite a bit um, because – He's a little undersized, like you said, 5'9", 171. There's a lot of guys in this year's draft class that are that size and are that weight. It's not like he's far and above in terms of height or in terms of weight in his makeup he's not that different than a lot of a lot of this draft class this draft class in terms of wide receivers are known for being undersized in terms of their height and their weight so for somebody like Josh Downs a second round graded wide receiver to pop into the first round from somebody like Peter King you would think maybe this guy has a lot more size maybe maybe he gives you the versatility and his ability to play more than just that slot position so i'm a little bit surprised that he would be going in a Draft to the Bills um, in the first round just because you don't get the versatility with him and you don't get the size with him. And there, based on people that I've listened to and, and things that I've read, there is good depth in terms of the wide receiver class in the second round. You can right. get a lot of good talent in today, into day two, rounds two and three. So reaching for a wide receiver like that at 27. Doesn't really make sense in my mind, but maybe Peter King knows something that we don't know. I,
1: I think I, I thought he would still be there at fifty nine for the yes. Bills in round two. I mean, maybe somebody takes him a few picks ahead of them, but I, I kind of saw him in that range, um, based on everything that I had seen. And then I, you know, I've watched his tape also, and I mean, he's a dynamic player. I don't think there's any question about it. But I think, I think the lack of testing numbers kind of pushes him into round two because Mm -hmm. the elite testing numbers aren't there for a guy who's diminutive in stature. Now That doesn't mean he can't be a good player. It's not all about running, jumping, and agility. I just think that he's a slot only, lacks versatility. He does have return experience, so he does offer that as something else. And he's productive. But To me, he just – He seems like a round-two prospect.
2: The other thing with that mock draft is when the Bills pick Josh Downs at number 27 in Peter King's mock draft, he says that Quentin Johnston – is still on the board. Quentin Johnston is wow. still on the board at 27, which he's the type of guy where this is a player not refined. He does have a lot of drops on tape, but he's he's the wide receiver in this class that I think gives you the most upside. He does have the height and the length and the mm-hmm. speed to him that you don't get with some, not speed. A lot of these wide receivers do have speed, but a lot of these first-round wide receivers, second-round wide receivers do not have the length and the size that Quentin Johnston, does
1: yeah, if he's an interesting case study because you know, in the early going of the pre draft run up, I mean, he was seen,
2: he as, was like the number one guy. Well, by right, a lot of because
1: as you said, he was one of the few guys that was on the right side of six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, since February, he's been kind of falling down the board.
2: I've seen him so going the, in the second round at yeah, some that's what drafts. I'm saying, to
1: the point where some people say top half of round two not round one. And what that screams of is I think that if that proves to be the case and, you know, you and I get through night one of the draft and he's still on the board for day two, I think it's an indication that there are some concerns with his overall game. Look, there's potential in every player that's going to be drafted in this thing, and they could turn their career into something special. We've seen it happen in every round of this draft, and we've even seen it happen in the undrafted ranks. But there's clearly, if he gets to round two, I think there's clearly a concern or there's a hole in his game that bothers enough teams to say, the value doesn't match up to a first-round grade here. Let's, If he's still on the board in round two, we'll talk, but not in round one. We're not using a first-round pick on him for whatever reason. And it might be different reasons for different teams, but... It, it's interesting that there seems to be this consensus out there. Well, maybe Quentin Johnston isn't a first-round pick. And that, and that, much like the Stroud stuff, seems to be gaining momentum also over the last few weeks. The
2: other interesting thing about Quentin Johnston is I was listening to a Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah podcast. It's one of my favorites, at least at this time, to listen to Move the Sticks because it's all draft-related mm-hmm. stuff. And they were going through the – I don't know if they were doing a mock draft – or in an, an AFC type going through every single team and saying their needs. But Daniel Jeremiah talked about Quentin Johnston around picks 26 through 31 as a okay. name to watch. And, and he has said, or he said on this podcast, it's a name that he has fallen in mock drafts as of late. And, and he was a hot name around combine time, but he said as of the last Week or so, and this podcast came out maybe a week and a half ago, he said the name has picked up a little more steam amongst scouting staffs and teams, okay. so he said don't don't be shocked if he goes late round one
1: but even with that in mind though, Maddie, that could present an opportunity for the bills because if they like Quentin Johnston mm-hmm. sounds like he'll be there if they don't like Quentin Johnston maybe he'll still be there maybe. Some other team does mm-hmm. and may want to get up into round True. one, and then that could could pose a trade opportunity for Buffalo as well. So I think there's two ways to look at that if you're the Bills. If, in fact, he comes down there, do we like him enough to take him at 27? If not, is there going to be an interested trade partner looking to get up into the bottom of the first round where the Bills sit and say, hey, uh, our guy's still on the board. Can we make a trade? And then see what they have to offer.
2: He was mocked to the Bills in Michael Renner's latest mock draft from oh, yeah. PFF.
1: We had him on last week. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Um, let's go around the NFL here quickly. Presented by Colada Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And the Jets and the Packers <laughs> have reignited their talks regarding a potential trade for one Aaron Rodgers. So... Why it was dormant for the last three weeks is beyond me, but I think both sides realize we have our position, you have yours. Let's talk draft week when a real deadline may actually lead to something getting done. I just don't know which one of these teams is going to blink. I think the Jets believe the Packers are going to blink because they know they have to get Rodgers off their books. And I think the Packers think the Jets are going to blink because option B – doesn't come nearly as close to what Aaron Rodgers is as a quarterback. What's option B? Trading for Ryan Tannehill? Like you're not giving up two ones to try to get Lamar. I don't see the Jets giving up that kind of draft capital when they're already balking at giving up whatever for forty year old like Aaron Rodgers. There Rogers.
2: is no option B.
1: It's yeah. I, well, that's why I came up with <laughs> Tannehill. Like I could see the Titans moving Tannehill and getting more draft capital and just saying, look. We're going to We're
2: going to move up. Yeah, yeah, we'll
1: we'll take the extra draft capital from mm-hmm. the Jets, move up from 11 to 3 to and, Arizona, and for example, and take our quarterback mm-hmm. there and off we go. I could see that. Um But oh my god, could you imagine if the Jets don't get the Aaron Rodgers deal done and instead wind up with Ryan Tannehill?
2: The Jets would be jetsing. The, that would The tot- Jets fans
1: would be rioting.
2: Mm-hmm. Torches
1: and pitchforks outside mm-hmm. their facility at Fairlawn, New Jersey.
2: I was watching Good Morning Football this morning and Tom Pelissero had a report about the, the Packers and the Jets and these talks happening again and he said the, the two sides are not there yet, but they are getting closer. Whatever that means.
1: Right. So still he, not there. Right. So but getting closer. Here's what I'm thinking, because I don't think the Jets pick at thirteen is part of the conversation. The general consensus that has been out there in cyberspace is that it's their two second-round picks, the one they got from Cleveland in the Elijah Moore trade. So they pick 42-43, and everything we've seen out there is that the Packers want both of those, Um, especially if there is no talk about anything for the 2024 draft. And who knows, the Jets – Maybe want to give one of those twos and then something next year. And maybe the Packers say, no, we want both of those picks this year. or Forget it. Like, I don't know what the stumbling block mm-hmm. is, but I, I don't think it has anything to do with the Jets pick at 13. So then it becomes an exercise in, are we giving up more assets this year or do we give up more assets next year? How much does that hurt us? What are we looking at? I, I don't know, but here's the thing, Maddie. If we get to Thursday night and you still don't have anything done, now you're down to hours. You know, you have hours before the second round starts the next day. And, you know, what's going to trigger somebody to make the move? Because if we get to round two and still nothing has happened, just because of the perception that pick 42 and 43 are in play here in these trade negotiations, we get on the clock – at the top of round two, like,
2: sweating. who starts sweating? <laughs> the backers or the Jets? I don't know. Who's going to make it, the first move? I'm hoping
1: for it because the drama will be juicy.
2: I mean, the trades in the first round, not saying that it would happen in the first round, but just last year's trades in the first round made made it so much more oh, fun a, there and will interesting be and, and the mystery, and I'm looking yeah, I think forward to it. it was nine it. in
1: the first round last year. I think this year has a chance to be more than that, primarily because of the quarterbacks at the top. And then, secondarily, everything we're hearing is there is such a variance of opinion on player grades, even at the top of the board, you know, maybe outside the top eight or 10 players, that it's going to prompt teams to get out or get in. And I, yeah, nine, I think it was nine trades in round one last year. I think there's a chance. To match that this year, or even exceed it,
2: I'm working on an article that's going to come out tomorrow, and it's the top. It was supposed to be the top three positions the Bills should target yeah. in night one of the NFL draft for their pick at number 27. And so I, I'm interviewing all these analysts and, and trying to to see if okay, we can if they can agree upon three positions that the Bills should go after. Yeah. No way! You're not no! No them into way! One. No way! We couldn't agree upon three. They could agree upon two, and the two were wide receiver and linebacker. Mm. And then from there, it was a hodgepodge. It was whatever, whatever you want. It was defensive tackle. Uh, wow. It was, it was cornerback or, or defensive back, and so that article is coming out tomorrow, but I had to write about like five positions instead of three because, (laughs) because so many people have different grades on these prospects and you don't know what's going to happen with how the boards are going to fall that late in the draft. And, and everybody's been all over the place with the mock drafts. I mean, last year we had about 24 different players get mocked to the bills in the first round this year. I think we have over 45 different names that we've seen in the first round.
1: So much for uh, narrowing it down. <laughs> uh, speaking of the draft, we have an interesting poll for you today. What draft scenario would prompt you to trade down as Bill's GM? A, top three wide receivers are off the board. B, top four offensive tackles are off the board. Or C, top two playmaking tight ends are off the board. And running away with this thing in the early going is if the top three wideouts are off the board. I anticipated that to be a popular choice. Um, but knowing that offense is such a focus for much of Bill's mafia, we figured we put all offensive positions in the, in the pot here and see what you thought. And there is a very good chance that the top three wide receivers are off the board. There's a very good chance that the top four offensive tackles mm-hmm. are also off the board. It might be A and B. By the time you get to the Bills at 27, yeah. which is like, holy mackerel, like, what are we doing? Um, that would take us to 95% of our voting population there on the poll so far. Everybody, which, which is an indication that if that happens, every Bills fan is going to be like, get out of there.
2: What are we get still out! doing <laughs> on the board?
1: So you let us know what you think at 803 0550, local number to get on board, 1 888 550 2550, the toll free number. What draft scenario would prompt you to trade down? And an explanation behind it would be great. Maybe you feel good about the depth of receiver beyond round one or one of those other positions. But you let us know at 803-0550. Got an open line for you there. And also you can hit us up on the tweet sheet after you vote. You want to send a comment in, do that at one bills live. Let's go to the phones and leading us off today, Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us,
3: Judy? Yeah, I I just saw that there are two receivers on the list from Tennessee, so I would like to know what their stats are, and I would like to know who their quarterback was. I I think it's sort of intriguing that there are two receivers from the same team. And, you know, hey, if we can get them in a late round or something, maybe there's some quality there.
1: Yeah, uh, good question, Judy. I don't think you're going to get either of those guys in a late round, per se, but she's presumably talking about Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, who are the two top receivers in this class from Tennessee. And you'll see, if you're watching on MSG, they're on our board as overall 54 and 56. I think Hyatt may actually go higher than that. That's probably around the range for Tillman, which would put him in the round two range of the Bills. And I can pull up their stats here in just a second because I have my – Uh, guide open right now.
2: Cedric Tillman is more of your big body wide receiver. He's one of the guys that sticks out because of his size and length. Again, we've talked about this class not being a class that has a lot of size. Cedric Tillman does offer you that size and strength if that's where you want to go. A lot of people have said in the second round, if that's what you're looking for, this is a good player to go after. He had good tape at Tennessee. He was a good wide receiver. Jalen Hyatt is your type of player who he went off in this last year at Tennessee. He completely went off against Alabama had several touchdowns in that game but he's more of a more of a wide receiver at least in college thus far that's only ran a few routes so his question is yeah. do you want him to be that type of wide receiver too who's a really good wide receiver too in college or do you want him to expand his game has he been can he do that he didn't do that with Hendon Hooker in the offense that Tennessee ran
1: yeah their quarterback was Hendon Hooker which was another question Judy had He's in this draft pool as well, coming off the ACL and the injury, probably won't be able to practice and that kind of stuff at the start of the season, but figures to be good to go by November if the team that drafts him needs him on the field for some reason. But Jalen Hyatt, as Maddie said, did explode last year, 67 catches, 1,267 yards, 15 touchdowns, and had five drops on the year. He was a unanimous All-American, Baletnikoff Award, First-team All-SEC, led the team in receiving. The knock on Jalen Hyatt is that while he is 6 feet tall, he is 176 pounds. He is precariously light to play the NFL game. And so the general thought is, well, how is he against press coverage knowing he's going to be playing more physical corners? And that's the question mark, along with his lack of an expansive route tree. He ran a lot of posts, corners, go-routes. Crossers. Not a lot of st- yeah, not a not a ton of stuff over the middle, not a ton of intermediate routes. He was a field stretcher for them. He'd occasionally run some jet sweep stuff or some underneath swing passes as our MSG viewers just saw there. But the vast majority of his production came down the field. So you know he can stretch the field, but can he do all the other stuff? It, it's not that he can't. yeah, it's just that there isn't enough evidence on film that he can do it consistently.
2: It's hard to put a knock on a guy like that because that's, like you said, that's the offense that Tennessee ran. Hendon Hooker would air it out. Jalen Jalen Hyatt was the guy to catch the ball and get into the end zone. That's that's what worked for Tennessee last year, that airy-type offense, but you haven't seen it yet on on tape for Jalen Hyatt. He could be really good at that once he gets offered those opportunities, but do you want to take a chance at him? If you're sitting there at the end of night one and you really like him, is is it worth spending that first-round pick or maybe a, a top-of-the-second-round pick on, on somebody like that? Because he was really good at what oh, yeah. he did.
1: I mean, he had four touchdowns against Alabama. That'll make anybody sit up and take notice. Cedric Tillman, quickly before we go to break, He had a big junior season in 2021, had 1,000 yards receiving on 64 catches with 12 touchdowns, and then last year he had a left ankle injury, missed four games. So he only played in six games for Tennessee last year, so his stats fell off precipitously, only had three touchdowns, 417 yards receiving, and about half the number of receptions. But as Maddie said, he is a much bigger, sturdier-framed receiver who isn't going to run nearly as fast as Hyatt, who runs in the 4-4s, four he runs like a 4-5-4, four, four, uh, but he's got athleticism. 37-inch vertical, and a lot of people believe he's got more of an NFL body for a receiver. So physically, he can hold up better. He is really good in jump ball situations. So those are attractive qualities for him, but because he doesn't have the elite, the elite speed, time speed, all that stuff, he's probably a round two prospect. Late round, not going to happen, though, Judy. Um,
2: he's 63 213. That's right.
1: So, you know, pros and 10 inch hands. Yes. That never hurts for a receiver. No, <laughs> we have to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, more of your phone calls and mock draft 9.0. We'll give you the latest names that are popular for the bills pick at 27. When we return here on one bills live presented by Kaleida health, it's Buffalo bills radio. All right, back here we are on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty glad with you on a Monday of draft week. And we're going to get right to the phones here because we're asking you today what draft scenario would prompt you to trade down. Choices are there for you on the poll at One Bills Live. It involves top three ride receivers being gone or maybe the top four offensive tackles being gone or the top two playmaking tight ends off the board. You let us know what you think at 803-0550. Leading us off is Bruce in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Bruce?
3: Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Uh, I'm looking at if there's nobody there at the wide receiver spot or the tackles, there's two teams that would be a perfect trade spot for us if we can get them to trade. That would be Seattle, and if the Packers pull off their trade with the Jets and get those two twos, that would be them because they they both have 10 and 12 draft picks. And I'm looking if we trade with Seattle, we get pick 37 and pick 83, which the math comes out perfect. And if we trade with Green Bay, it's pick 45, 78, and 149. And And, with those picks, I'd go uh, in the second round, I'd take the top linebacker at 45. I'd take either Matt Bergeron or Cody Mock if they're there at 59. At uh, 78, I'd take Rashid Rice or Nate Dell. In uh, at 91, I'd take take Bigsby I'd see what these guys think about that. <laughs> All right,
1: Bruce, that is a comprehensive plan. I like it. Uh, I like Bergeron as an option. It, yeah, and I think we've talked about this, Matty, in the times that you've been in here filling in for Steve. I mean, if they do move out of round one and trade back, I think linebacker becomes a very, very, very real possibility because now you're in that range where some of the best linebackers on the board are expected to come off.
2: From the people that I've talked to who cover this NFL draft and cover the NFL and have covered college football, the consensus is – The Bills, at the time that they're on the clock at number 27, they should have the pick at the best linebacker in this class. Now, does that mean they should pick a linebacker at number 27? I've rarely seen... The linebackers going in the first round. Yes, we have seen Jack Campbell and Drew Sanders come off the board in the first round. Trenton Simpson also here and oh, there and the a little bit the, in the yeah. in the mock drafts in the mock drafts that we've tracked. Um, Mel Kiper Jr. had Trenton Simpson going off the board at number twenty seven. Um, but a lot of people also within that sentence of saying yes, the best linebackers should be available at that point. Does it make sense to go linebacker there? because of the value, because of where other teams are picking above and below them. It seems like also in these mock drafts that have second and third rounds included, some of those linebacker names that have been connected to the Bills as, as targets or prospects that they should go after are also going to be there when the Bills are on the clock in the second round. Hmm. You might not have... All the way down
1: to 59?
2: Yes. Okay. I've seen some of them at 59. Maybe not your Jack Campbell or your Drew Sanders, but a Trenton Simpson could be available there.
1: Gotcha. Uh, Let's dive into mock draft 9.0 a little bit more, and we'll talk about the linebacker option at 27 in the second hour of our show when we have Dane Brugler from the Athletic on with us because he mocked Drew Sanders to the Bills in his mock draft. Seven-rounder. Good Lord, talk about a marathon. But uh, we'll catch up with Dane in hour number two. Mock Draft 9.0, Maddie. What is the headline from 9.0, would you say? If you had to pick a headline for what changed, what do you think you would come come down on is it a specific position is it a specific name that came up more what what's your headline I for think 9.0? an
2: overall change that we're starting to see in all the mock drafts that we've tracked which is now the number is up to 152 we're starting to see other position groups catch up to running back which is reflective Thank of goodness. the Bijan John Robinson <laughs> being mocked to the bills so much in January and in February and you're not yeah. really seeing that as much anymore and because of of that you're seeing linebackers and you're seeing wide receivers be mocked to the bills quite a bit more at that number 27 spot. So, overall, uh, offensive line is still the favorite position, although, in the last couple weeks. Offensive line has not been a popular position. Yeah, the Being guard, guard position to the Bills in
1: particular it, it's has kind dropped of fallen off. off. It was it, like big time. It, nobody's Osiris talking Torrence. about
2: Osiris Torrance anymore. Was,
1: yeah, I think I see now that's another guy that I think is probably he's, round two yes, now because he's is, guard only, mm-hmm. not really tackle, can't offer center. And I think he might slide into round two after a lot of people were convinced this guy is going in the 20s.
2: (laughs) So offensive line, still the most popular position as of late, not really. I would say as of late, wide receiver has been way more of a popular position. So that's the second favorite position for the Bills at number 27. Then we go running back and linebacker, defensive back and defensive line two. Uh, Favorite names, Bijan Robinson still up there. So is Osiris Torrance. But Jordan Addison and Drew Sanders have now um, kind of hopped, gone above. Brian Branch was a popular name for the Bills. Again, early on in those mock drafts that we were tracking in January and February. But Jordan Addison has been mocked to the Bills quite a bit in the last few weeks. I would have to say that's the favorite wide receiver name that we've seen in the last few weeks is Jordan Addison.
1: Okay, because I was going to ask you, like, who would you have at the top of the leaderboard for this latest round, if I, you know. in ter- You said Addison's won. Is there another guy that's been pretty popular over this past week?
2: Jordan Addison has been popular, and Drew Sanders has also mm. been a popular name over okay. the last few weeks. In this mock draft, watch 9.0. We tracked 14 mock drafts. Of those 14, five wide receivers are Wide receiver was mocked to the Bills five times. Linebacker mocked to the Bills four times at number 27. Two defensive linemen, one running back, one offensive lineman, one corner. The favorite name of those 14, Jordan Addison, was mocked to the Bills three times of those 14. Drew Sanders mocked to the Bills twice in those 14 mock drafts that we tracked.
1: So the thing about Addison um, that I like is he kind of – I'm not saying he's Stephon Diggs. But his route running style is similar to Diggs, uh, which was attractive to me. That was just what I saw when I watched him. Um, I think he can threaten at all three levels of the field. The problem here is he's 173 pounds, yeah, and that worries some teams because you're you're concerned about what durability number one because we know the NFL game is far more physical and ability to get off press when you're facing a corner that's stronger than you and bigger than you. So I think those are the issues that some NFL personnel evaluators struggle with in terms of ranking him high. But I still think despite all that, the production, especially you know his last year at Pitt was like off the charts. Over
2: 1,500 receiving yards, had 17 receiving touchdowns. He went off in that final season with Pitt. Um, He plays bigger on tape. When you watch him on tape, you don't think this guy is 173 pounds. I think that's one thing that he has going to his advantage. Um, He can play inside and outside. You know, he offers the versatility. He's got one of the best. He's one of the best route runners in this draft class of wide receivers for sure.
1: Yeah, and the only other thing I would say about him is he has very strong hands. He's like one of those guys that plucks the ball mm-hmm. out of the air. He's not a guy that uses his pads to catch. He doesn't body catch. He's a hand, he's a hand plucker, um, which is good. And as you said, while time-wise he's only about four five, four four nine, I think he ran at the combine, um, he does have the short area quickness, which some of our MSG viewers just saw because of his ability to get in and out of his cuts. And um, I think the other thing that's attractive about him is his number of drops have gone down each of the last two seasons. He had two on 81 targets last year. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's the physical stature that's the biggest concern. 5'11", 173. I mean, that's right around him. what I weigh. Like <laughs> – <laughs> Get
2: out there, Brownie. Oh, Let's go. No.
1: I, I don't have Jordan Addison's quick, so I will <laughs> not be doing that. But it's like a, he's like a Marvin Harrison body type. Mm-hmm. Difference was Marvin Harrison ran like a 4.35. So, you know, he's about – he runs a 4.49, so it's a little bit different. we got to take a break here, but when we come back, more of your phone calls. Steve in Syracuse, stay where you are. You'll be first after the break to lead us off. Open line for you at 803-0550, 550 2550 What draft scenario would prompt you as a Bills GM to trade down from 27? The poll's up at One Bills Live. Check it out. We're back in a second. Right back to the phones as we are asking you today, what scenario in round one of the NFL draft would prompt you as Bills GM to trade back into the second round, out of the first round from pick twenty-seven? We go to the phones. and to Steve in Syracuse. What do you got for us, Steve? You're on one Bills live.
0: Okay, Chris. This uh, this scenario, why I like to see the Bills maybe trade from round uh, two and three back into the first round. Oh. To get- Pick them maybe in the early 20s and keep their 27th pick as well. Get two picks in the first round. Get Denzel Washington and then you get Jack Campbell. You got two of the best players in each of their positions in a, in, a, in a draft. And then Denzel Washington, you could get him instead of a wide receiver. just like a wide receiver. Okay. Paul, yeah, play.
1: that's right, wow. Steve. Um, and that's, and that's a very aggressive move I give you a lot of credit for. It. I think you're talking about Darnell Washington, though, right? Not Denzel.
0: Yes, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> he's as
0: good as any receiver out there. He's big. He can block. And then Campbell, what's wrong with Campbell? It was it necessary to pick a linebacker at the bottom of the round. It's like being in the second round anyway. And he has got the instinct of a linebacker. and He's very vague. He's the captain of the defense, my God. Middle linebacker's your captain of the defense. Right. Very
1: All right. So I I like I like that you're looking at this from another perspective, Steve. Of course, that would make for a for a very
2: quiet Friday three picks on in day the NFL two. draft instead of six. Yeah.
1: Um man, that is very aggressive. I don't know I don't know if I got the stomach for that. Um I mean, I guess if you hit on two first-rounders like you did back in 2018 with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, and you'd be why? all for it. I don't know that you got to go up and take Campbell at 27. Maddie was outlining earlier, you know, Campbell's kind of in that top half of the second-round yes. range, so the Bills may have to move up from 59 if they wanted someone like Campbell or trade out at 27 and slide back into the second round take him there. Um, And the analytics have always shown that it's – It's more often than not better to trade back than it is to trade up uh, just because of what it gives you, which is more swings uh, in the draft to hit on players. Um, Speaking of players, there are three in mock draft 9.0 that came up, Maddie. So let's run through those in terms of for the Bills names that became more popular in this latest round.
2: So there are three names who we haven't talked about much. So let's try to get through all three of them. Defensive tackle, Kalija Cansey out of Pittsburgh, out of Pitt, has been a name that's popped up a few times. Is he going to be there for the Bills at number 27? I've kind of seen him going all over the place in the first round. He's 6'1", 281, similar size to Ed Oliver here. He was a first-team All-American honors in 2022, also earned ACC Defensive Player of the Year in 2022. He played in 37 games over three years didn't play his first year played in one game but didn't have any stats in his career he has 92 total tackles 34 and a half tfl's 16 sacks three passes defense and a forced fumble. Last year, he had 14.5 TFLs and 7.5 sacks. Uh, he ranked the highest in terms of athleticism score out of all defensive tackles at the NFL Combine. He ranked se- second overall as a player per next-gen stats at the NFL Combine. He is fast. Ran a four six seven forty as a defensive tackle when you turn on the tape on him. He's got strong arms to get through the offensive line. He's got a few go-to moves moves that he uses to his advantage. He's explosive on film, has fast feet, a quick first step into action. Once he gets into the pocket, good night quarterback, he's going to knock the quarterback down. He has the ability to read and react. I thought that kind of stood out to me on film when I watched him a little bit. But he is undersized at 6'1", 281. Do you want somebody like that next to a player like Ed Oliver if they choose to keep Ed Oliver on this team?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting Because I've seen him comped to Ed Oliver. And, I mean, we've also heard the name Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, undersized defensive tackle, also played at Pitt, so he's been comped to him as well. I I don't think Kalijah Kansi goes as early as Ed Oliver did at nine. Mm -hmm. And you wonder about the Bills taking a player that's kind of in a similar mold to that of Ed Oliver when I think we can all agree that Oliver probably hasn't lived up to the billing of a top 10 draft yeah. choice. So do the Bills take another swing at the same type of a player? I don't know.
2: I know. I don't know if I they agree. do. I agree. All
1: right, so who's the next name?
2: Miles Murphy, an edge rusher out of Clemson. Now, this is a player who's also gone all over the place in the first round more, more times than not in the first in the first half of the first round. I really haven't seen him fall as far as number 27, but he did fall to number 27 in Peter Schrager's mock draft. Peter Schrager talks to people around the NFL. He talks to scouts and teams. So I thought this was very interesting that he would be available at number 27. He's kind of dropped lately in the mock drafts that I've seen. Uh, he's 6'5", 268, a junior. He was a former top five national recruit coming out of high school. First team All-ACC honors in 2022. He was a freshman All-American in 20. He played in 38 games, started in 27 over his three years uh, in his career, 119 total tackles, 37 TFLs, 17 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles. Uh, he had... At least ten TFLs in all three seasons at Clemson. Uh, when you turn on the tape on a guy like him, he's he's hard to hold back because of his size. He's got long, rangy arms. He can escape blocks with his strength. He has the NFL size that you can't find everywhere. He needs to learn how to do more. You can't always rely on your size in the NFL because you're playing with a lot of people who can match that. So that's that's the big thing on him. He's he's got like his go-to move, which is is using his arms and that bull rush, but you got to do more than that in the NFL. Yeah,
1: and what's crazy about that is at his pro day, he ran a 4.5.3, which is a blistering number for a man who's 271 pounds, but that doesn't show up on tape anywhere.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: He's a power rusher by yeah, trade, yeah. but he runs a 4.5.3. Like those two things don't compute for mm-hmm. me. So maybe you could say if you really like him, oh, he's just unrefined. He's undeveloped. He's a moldable p- piece of clay. He's got a high ceiling. Let's take him here somewhere in round one. Or you're saying, hmm, is there a hole in his game here that we can't fix? So this is an example of one of those players where there's going to be a lot it's of hard. mixed opinions. Some people are going to love this kid and love him even more after he ran a 4-5-3. And there are going to be others that are like, eh, I don't know. So he's just one of the many examples in this draft class where there's going to be a lot of variance of opinion on just where he belongs and where he should come off the board. We have to take a break here because we're up against the top of the hour. Hour number two from The Athletic, it is NFL draft analyst Dane Brugler. We last talked to him at the Combine. We talked to him again here in hour number two with his seven-round mock and some other stuff concerning the Bills next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: Live presented by Kaleida Health.
1: All right, here we are, hour number two on a Monday of draft week. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you, and pleased to be joined now by the NFL draft writer extraordinaire from the athletic, Dane Brugler, Who, if you haven't gotten your hands on it yet, the 308 page tome known as The Beast. Dane pretty much works on this for 360 days out of the year. And it's got, uh, I think it's over 401 scouting reports, I think was the total this year, 1,893 player rankings. And if you want to know how fine Dane cuts it, like if you need to know that Darnell Washington was the youngest of eight kids, it's in there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Dane, thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll ask you how people can get their hands on the beast in just a second. But you just finished recently – Your seven-round mock, I don't envy you for having to do that, Um, but maybe just lay out for me the most eye-opening thing that you took from your own first round after you put it together. Yeah, it is a a big challenge,
5: but it's very beneficial for me because it really makes you lock in on each one of these teams and focus on, okay, these are their needs – These are the tendencies. This is what they like to do in the first round, or maybe they stay away from this position in the first round. And so it really makes you focus in on general managers and their drafting styles, uh, coaches, the impact that they have uh, and and just the evolution of the draft. And every year it, it changes based off of how we see certain positions. And, you know, this draft has its own identity um, and the, the it's going to start with the fascination of the top 10 with the quarterbacks. Where do those four quarterbacks come off the board? Uh, do we see some trade action? Uh, it, that That's going to really suck up all the oxygen in the room on draft night uh, on Thursday, when we talk about those quarterbacks in the top 10. And then, uh, then it becomes Jalen Carter watch. Uh, where does Jalen Carter go? Then it becomes Bijan Robinson watch. Where did, do, where does the, the top running back this year, he could go as early as eight to the Falcons he could slip to the 20s. And I don't think either of those scenarios would be all that surprising. So I think there's you know a lot of different storylines in round one that we'll be paying attention to. And you know, in my mock draft, it was interesting that I didn't have any receivers in the first 19 picks. You know, last year we had six in the top 25. This is a different receiver class, Uh, It's it's especially relative to the past two years. Two years ago, we were spoiled with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and those guys. And then last year with the, the six in the top 25, this year it's a little bit different with the types of receivers and how many are actually worthy of going in that first round. Uh, maybe, uh, a few could be on the board there at, uh, at 28, maybe someone, the uh, you know, the, the bills be looking at. So, uh, really interesting group of skill position players uh, in this year's first.
2: You have the Bills choosing Drew Sanders with their first-round pick at number 27. With the linebacker position, that's an obvious need for this team with Termaine Edmonds uh, leaving in free agency to head to the Chicago Bears, but I've heard conflicting opinions of, is the value there for a linebacker in the first round? Should they trade into the second round and draft Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell? Why did you have them staying in the first round to make this pick?
5: I think that we're going to, once we get past the top 20 picks, even really the top 15 picks, uh, pick 20, I don't think it's going to be all that different than the grade you give who's drafted at pick 55, you know? So I I think it's going to be one of those drafts where uh, we see some surprises in the late first round where maybe we thought of this guy as a second or third rounder, but uh, you know, teams have their grades, their, their draft boards don't look like any of ours. Uh, You know, most draft boards are 120, 130 names. So it might work out where uh, a team's next best player at a position that they want to target, you know, could be there. You know, and a guy like Drew Sanders, you want a guy that's always around the football. That's Drew Sanders. Uh, You know, since over the last 25 years, only two players in college football in a single season had at least 95 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, eight sacks, three forced fumbles, uh, a fumble recovery and an interception. Khalil Mack's the other one, Drew Sanders is, is is the most recent to do that. So a guy that's always around the ball, former five-star guy. Um, he has the size, he's six four, almost 240 pounds. Uh, he has the speed. He has the athleticism to cover. He can give you that p- pass rush potential. So a lot of uh, you think about Edmonds coming out, uh, you know, as a prospect and all the reasons the Bills loved him. You could see why uh, you know, Buffalo might look at Drew Sanders and see the value that he brings to the to the defense, both as an off ball player, but also someone that could put pressure on the quarterback. And I think uh, maybe the the best uh, compliment I got uh, was from a buddy who texted me and. Uh, he had no idea he actually coached Drew Sanders in middle school until he read the beast and the background info uh, and uh, Drew Sanders growing up was on a youth team that he coached. He had no idea until he read the beast. So that, that was definitely <laughs> one of the better compliments I got this year.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing that I wanted to ask you, cause you touched on it already there, Dane, is Drew Sanders a little bit of an outlier from this perspective because He is a middle linebacker candidate first and foremost, but who's to say that there might not be a handful of teams that see him as a two position player, middle linebacker on early downs. And then when you're in third and 12, put him up at end and get a pass coverage linebacker on the field to play his spot at middle linebacker. And off you go. I would think the bills, Could do something like that, put Sanders up at end, kick Rousseau inside. You got Von Miller on the other side and bring last year's third round pick Terrell Bernard on the field to play third and 12 middle linebacker. More so than ever,
5: we are seeing coordinators be outside the box thinkers and realize, okay, you know what, let's just, let's figure out how to best use these talents and get them on the field and put them in opportune positions to go make plays. And that's exactly, you know, with a guy like Drew Sanders, he gives you versatility where he can play off the ball. He can give you that, that if you want a guy that can put his hand on the ground and sub and give you that pass rush potential, he gives you that. Uh, And and high school as a senior in high school, Drew Sanders was a defensive end on defense and a quarterback, uh, really a wildcat quarterback on offense. He was recruited as an athlete. He went to Alabama as a five-star and they used him as part of that pass rush uh, rotation. He transferred to Arkansas just to make sure he got on the field this past year, and he moved to more of a middle linebacker, more of a Mike spot, and he was all over the place. Uh, but he did his best work downhill, where you see that speed, you see that ability. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams picking in that late first round that are looking at Drew Sanders and saying we'd love to have a talent like this on our defense. And so uh, Buffalo also in that mix, where it, just, it makes a lot of sense with what we know they like on that side of the ball, then also a potential need area as well.
2: I want to discuss your next two picks for the Bills as well. Number 59, you have them choosing Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. And then number 91 in the third round, you have them choosing Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end out of Michigan, uh, Cedric Tillman, we talked about him a little bit already in today's show. He's he's the type of wide receiver that stands out amongst this class because of his size, because of his NFL size that he gives you, 6'3", 213. And then Luke Schoonmaker is one of those tight ends. This is an incredible tight end class, and you can get good value in tight end into the third round. A lot of people may say, you know, we have Dawson Knox, but in a tight end class like this, do you want to miss out on somebody who could give you some good playing time in the third Third round that maybe later on in his NFL career if you know if you're choosing between a Luke Schoonmaker and a Dawson Knox why not have both guys on the offense and you can run more 12 personnel and you can give your offense a little bit more versatility a little bit tougher to cover people in, in 12 personnel depending on who you have out there so why did you like Cedric Tillman and Luke Schoonmaker for the Bills?
5: Yeah. If you're going to look at uh, who are the best true X receivers in this draft, Cedric Tillman's towards the top of that list. Uh, there's not a lot of true X's, a lot of you know, really intriguing slot guys, uh, some really intriguing Z's. But if you want that X, that traditional uh, line them outside, let them win with physicality, uh, whether it's a slant or a go Tillman can do that for you. So, uh, I mean, you mentioned he's six, three and a half, two hundred 200, almost 215 pounds. Uh, And and you go back to the 2021 tape where he was fully healthy and he was dominant for that Tennessee offense this past year. Dealt with that tightrope ankle surgery. So it, it, it wasn't as obvious on this year's tape, but you still see a big, sturdy athlete, a guy that can win vertically. He has that type of speed to win over the top and then his catch point skills uh the ability to go up and out out muscle uh corners he can win those contested situations has the play strength um he has the ability to be more than just a possession threat so a a guy like that on the outside you add that to the mix uh you know and I, i think that he makes your offense better from day one and then i mean you made a lot of great points with these tight ends it's just it's a A tight end group that's easy to love because the depth at every round of the draft and and really if you're going to pass on a tight end, you know, because I think Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Dalton Kincaid, these guys are awfully appealing in the first round. But if you're going to pass on one in the first round, one of the reasons you do so is because you feel really good about the options you'll have in the second round, third round, even into day three, I think you feel good about the depth. And Luke Schoonmaker is one of those guys in round three that makes a lot of sense. He's a, he's a combo tight end. So you want to line him up in line. He can do it. You want him to block, he can do it, but he's also an underrated athlete uh, going out and making plays. Uh, he, he, we saw it this last year uh, for that Michigan offense, especially in the red zone. He has for a bigger player, Player. he does have some short area quickness so he can uncover from uh it doesn't matter if it's a linebacker uh even safety even a corner he can uncover because he has the foot quickness to do it strong at, at the catch point so uh, in the third round really like that value and you mentioned it whether you want to uh you know just give Dawson Knox some some plays off or you want to run that 12 personnel uh he's the type of guy that's not a uh scheme uh specific where okay Defenses are going to understand if Luke Schoonmaker out there, a lot of things could be coming at him. It's not going to be, oh, he's only out there to block or only out there to catch and run routes. He can do a lot of those things, and so it immediately helps your tight end depth.
1: Getting back to your mock draft, Dane, I think there are a couple of takeaways that I had, uh, most notably, which I think would be good news for the Bills if it happens, is you had five edge rushers in the first 12 picks And you had Mm -hmm. Nolan Smith off the board before Jalen Carter. So you had Nolan Smith as the first Georgia prospect off the board, which I don't know if many people would predict that. It wouldn't shock me if it happens. But maybe Mm -hmm. just walk me through your logic for five edge rushers in the first dozen selections.
5: Uh, You're going to draft premium positions in the top half of round one. An edge rusher certainly qualifies as that. Uh, This is a a draft where uh, I, I think that, the non-quarterbacks, there's not a ton of blue chippers. You know, you love Will Anderson from Alabama. Uh, Everybody loves him. He's going to go high. Um, After that, you know, Tyree Wilson uh, from Texas tech certainly has his fans. Um, Jalen Carter, you can make the arguments, one of the more talented players, if not the most talented player in the draft, obviously uh, the off field throws a wrench in everything. He's not going to be for everybody. Um, But after that, I, I, we're going to see a run on corners we're going to see you know guy like christian gonzalez off the board quickly uh devin witherspoon the uh, illinois corner those guys are going to go pretty quickly uh tackles the offensive lineman whether it's uh skaronski for northwestern or uh paris johnson ohio state but we're also going to see these pass rushers go and in, in this uh in this scenario i i did have Jalen carter falling to nine in the bears i think he's going to go somewhere between five and nine that's what everyone you know talk to teams they say five to nine seahawks lions raiders uh falcons bears somewhere in those five picks is where jalen carter's gonna end up uh and and then uh but in this scenario i had him going nine to the bears and nolan smith i had him going eight to the falcons who uh falcons just need more juice on that side of the ball and with nolan smith uh running he's a 4-3 athlete at that size uh didn't have a ton of production at georgia but he played an off-ball role where he's asked to read and uh you know play more react than just pin his ears back and go so i I think you give him more pass rush situations you use him uh you know let him walk around let him put him over the a gaps uh rush him from different angles Uh, an athlete like that who plays the run really well top character um i I think he makes a lot of sense for several of those teams picking in the top half around one uh lucas van ness from iowa uh is a, a guy that's ascending you feel good about uh where he's going to be to to three years power explosiveness doesn't really know how to use it in unison quite yet but you're betting on uh, the ability and what he's going to bring to you. And then also Miles Murphy in there in that mix out of Clemson, who has a ton of ability, um, but another guy who's still figuring things out. So it's a, uh, it's a pass rush group that we're going to see these guys go quickly, uh, but it's not, it's also one of the deeper positions this year. So late first round, early second round, uh, you know, guys like BG Aduleri, um uh, from Kansas state and Aduke uh, Uzama. We're going to see a lot of these edge rushers come off the board in the top 50 picks.
2: One more question for me about your mock draft that you had. You have uh, the Texans choosing C.J. Stroud with that number two pick. Do you believe that they could still go quarterback? Do you think it's a smoke screen that they're starting to talk or we're starting to hear about defensive players being linked to that number two spot? What's your take there?
5: Yeah, it's how quickly these mocks become outdated, (laughs) right? Uh, As soon as I did it, um, you know, it, it started to hear from, uh, you know, my my sources are on the league and saying, you know what, we we think that this is real. The Texans, um, you now what I was told was the Houston staff, offensive staff, they're just there's not a consensus that it, there is a quarterback worth taking it to. Uh, if Bryce Young does end up going number one, and if that's the case, if you're Nick Casario, the general manager, can you really force the issue and say, Hey, we're drafting a quarterback? You know, you know this is an offensive or just the coaching staff in general in Houston that. They're all first year coaches uh, or, you know, with uh, D'Amico Ryans, um, Bobby Slowick, at offensive coordinator. I mean, these guys are not in a hurry to force the issue. So uh, they might look at the roster and say, you know what? I mean, we, we we don't love We like these quarterbacks. We don't love any of them. Let's get a Will Anderson, who could be a cornerstone for our, our build moving forward. And, you know what, we still have two first round picks next year. Uh, we have the 12th pick this year. Uh, you know, we don't we, we, we have a lot of options here, so we don't have to force it if we don't love our options. And I think ultimately, I think that's what's going to happen. I, you know, you ever know. Ownership could come in and say, listen, guys, we're taking a quarterback, figure it out. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's more likely uh, we see a non quarterback whether that's Will Anderson, Terry Wilson, uh, go at number two. And then the intrigue is at three with the Cardinals who would love to get out of there. Uh, do we see a trade up uh, for one of these quarterbacks? Could it be as simple as the Colts moving up one spot to make sure they get their guy, whoever that may be. Uh, do we see the Raiders make a move? Do we see a team outside the top 10 make a big splash? Could it be the Titans uh, picking there at 11, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, you never know. So, you know, there's a lot of intrigue with that number three pick and who the trade partners could be to go get a quarterback.
1: And then the last one for me, Dane, um, Hendon Hooker is kind of the wild card quarterback. Does he go in the first round? Does he wait until day two to hear his name called? I haven't heard much around this, but I'm just curious your thought on it. Just a wild theory. Um, Haven't heard much about the Ravens at 22 or the Vikings at 23, Mm -hmm. but those are two teams that could be looking for a new quarterback in 2024. Um, And knowing Hooker's hurt and he's got rehab in front of him, Any thought of those two teams at 22 and 23 giving consideration to Hendon Hooker?
5: Obviously two different situations uh with what the ravens are facing and and what the the vikings are looking at the vikings are are in a really interesting spot because you have a general manager and head coach that are in their second year now um what do they what does their 2024 roster look like is kirk cousins still atop the quarterback depth chart um i mean they, they still made the playoffs this year with kirk cousins as the guy but do they really see him as someone that can get him to that next step or do they feel like they need to go get him through the draft Hennon Hooker, you have to talk about timeline with him because he is coming off the ACL. He is coming from an offense that you know, we have not seen a quarterback come from that, that Art Briles tree uh, of offense. You know we, We've never seen a quarterback really make that transition and play at a high level in the NFL. Uh, so there's there's a lot of questions and ifs. Um, so you better be convinced with uh, Hennon Hooker if you're going to draft him in the first round. I, I think that most have second-round grades on him. But if he does go in the first, it'll be because you want that fifth year option, because like you said, you're almost taking a redshirt year with him that first year. So in order to get that year back, you draft him in the first round, get that extra year, and then you move forward in 2024 with him, uh, you know, competing to be to to be the starter, which uh, not every team uh, they're on board with. But all it takes is one beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And it's never more true than with quarterbacks.
1: All right, Dane, you put the work in, so let everybody know, how can they get The Beast, the draft guide for the 2023 draft here?
5: Just need a subscription to The Athletic. That's it. You signed up for a month, you signed up for a year, uh, you get it. And I promise you uh, it will be a resource guide uh, for you all three days of the draft. Uh, no other draft publication as uh, you know, testing information from us 1900 players, um, a lot of a lot of good background stuff in there. So, uh, you know, if you like the draft at all, I, I promise you, you will not be disappointed with uh, w- w- with the draft guide and just you know, go on my Twitter at DP Brugler. Uh, I have the link pinned at the top. Uh, best way to get it. It's it's pretty simple and I think it's a pretty good value.
1: All right, Dane, thanks very much. As always, uh, enjoy the draft. We will may catch up with you afterwards, see if you could give us a little review on some things, especially how the Bills did. We'll see how things turn out.
5: No, I can't wait. Thanks, guys. All right,
1: Dane Brugler joining us here, NFL draft writer for The Athletic, 308 pages. And I am it's telling insane. you, it's not. Remember when you were in school and you're, and your teacher told you you have to have a book report and it's got to be at least 3 pages and you're in there double spacing and you know like
2: increasing the size yeah, of periods and commas indenting every
1: paragraph <laughs> I don't know if there is a draft guide out there that crams more words on a page than mm-hmm. Dane's yeah. draft guide it is as comprehensive as you will find and the background information is just start you heard him say it he said yeah. one of his Friends, you know, in the coaching community, youth coaching, realized he had Drew Sanders in middle school based (laughs) on what he read in Dane's draft guide. He he had no idea. He had him as a player in middle school, which is just – it's crazy. Absolutely nuts. Um, I think the thing in his mock draft, though, Maddie, that has me thinking like, I don't know if they're going to get one of the top three receivers in round one. He had the wide receiver run start at pick 20 with the Seahawks, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Then he had Flowers at 22 to Baltimore, Addison to the Giants at 25. I I worry that they're just going to miss that top three receiver window.
2: And that's what I have heard from talking to people and reading things is with the Giants and the Cowboys sitting right in front of you at 25 and 26. Those are two obvious teams that could be drafting a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. It would make sense for both of those teams. So by the time the Bills, if that happens for the Giants and the Cowboys, by the time the Bills are are on the clock at number 27, your pick of the litter first round wide receivers, it, it may be gone.
1: Yeah. And my only hope is because I know the Giants do need a corner pretty badly, but it's a deeper corner class than it is a receiver class this year, and that might prompt the Giants to go wide receiver early, corner a little bit later, and then you just got to hope that maybe Dallas, after losing Dalton Schultz in free agency, may draft a tight end Mm -hmm. instead of a receiver. That's the hope. Let's get back to the phones, though, to find out what trade-down scenario – you would consider what would have to happen in round one for you to get out of round one at pick 27 with the Bills. We go back to the phones. We go to Joe in Williamsville. What do you got for us, Joe?
4: Hey, Chris and Matty. How are you? Good. Uh, as far as trading down goes, uh, I think uh, I would trade down if uh, the Bills, uh, they're rated first-round uh, draft uh, players, you know, the players that they have rated for uh, first-round were gone, you know, then I, uh, I would trade down if I were them. Uh, my qu- question is, the Bills are picking 27th, and I know Miami does not have a first-round draft choice this year for some uh, uh, rule they broke. Uh, so uh, in the second round, we're drafting in the 59th position, and my math tells me we should be drafting 55. If you could explain that. And then the other thing is, there was an article about a month ago on Bills.com that said Connor McGovern was the worst free agent signing because of his downfield blocking. He's not a good run blocker. I think they rated him, I, and who they are, I don't remember, uh, uh, but they, they rated him as 33, and but they said his, he's a good blocking uh, guard. Uh, they rated him, uh, as far as blocking goes, at uh, 73, 74. Uh, anyway, uh, if you could answer those two questions, I'm going to hang up and listen to, you know, hear what you have to say. Thanks All right, Joe.
1: Thanks for the call. Appreciate it.
2: That grade sounds like a PFF grade. It does.
1: Um, and I would
2: <laughs> I would highly
1: doubt it's on buffalobills.com. Um, I will say this. Uh, with the first part of your question, the Bills are drafting 59th. And while there is one fewer pick in round one, so everybody moves up a spot, and that's why the Bills pick 27th, not 28th, but based on where they're picking in round two, it's 59th. That's just how the math works out. Um, And so, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it to you. There are instances where if you have teams that finish with the same Uh, regular season records that don't make the playoffs, they flip-flop. So if you have two teams that had seven and nine records last year, and they're picking 13th and 14th in round one, those two teams will flip-flop in round two. So the team that picked 14th in round one will pick 13th in round two, and the other team will sit behind them, and then it'll alternate round by round. But that doesn't happen with playoff teams. So I'm not sure – where you saw that fifty-fifth pick, but um, my only guess is that that was listed prior to the playoffs, and, and when happens. teams exited the playoffs, and it was a it was a a mock drafter or a draft analyst predicting where teams would be picking come round one, mm-hmm. round two. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, and as far as McGovern's concerned. Guy was a starting caliber lineman in Dallas, came here with great credentials, and I personally believe he's a big upgrade over what they had at left guard last year. in Roger Saffold, who has had a great career but was on the backside of his career, and I don't think he was quite the player that he had been in recent years. Um, so I think that's a big upgrade for Buffalo at the left guard spot.
2: I think you get the youth with him, too. I mean, you, you, yeah, get, a, you get a younger player who, who can give you some good years, who who doesn't have, you know, only a couple years left in the tank. This is somebody who's early on in his NFL career. Um, so you, you get that in him, which I, I think offers you some, some upside in, in what the line the makeup of the line will look like, and and, and how it can improve this season, and, and give Josh more more time in the to- pocket to to make a decision.
1: We have to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to crack open your thoughts on the tweet sheet as we have the poll rocking and rolling today. What scenario in round one would make you trade out of the Bills' spot at twenty seven and back into round two? Choices are there at one Bills live on Twitter. You check it out. You vote. You let us know. Tweet sheet comments next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Maddie Glab here on the Monday of draft week. And we are asking you what draft scenario would prompt you to trade down. It's a poll up at One Bills Live on Twitter where you can pick... A, top three receivers are off the board. B, top four offensive tackles off the board. Or C, top two playmaking tight ends are off the board. What would prompt you to trade down? We go to the tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Bills News Consolidated leads us off today and says, choice B would prompt a trade down for me because we only met with four offensive tackles pre-draft. And then he lists a bunch of offensive tackles, Darnell Wright, Anton Harrison, Matthew Bergeron, Nick Broker. Um, Bergeron is not going to be a first-rounder by all accounts, and a lot of people are projecting him to guard, much like Nick Broker, an old Miss guy who played tackle but projects inside to guard as well. Um, but, yeah, those top tackles come off the board. I get it. If you're jonesing for a tackle and the value's not there and you want to get out, get out.
2: One thing that I found interesting, this was a mock draft podcast that I listened to. Daniel Jeremiah and Peter Schrager of NFL Network did a mock draft on Peter Schrager's uh, The Season podcast, and they chose Matt Bergeron for the Bills at number 27. Which At 27? Yes. Wow, okay. Which That is the first time I have heard that because you said he, and a lot of the mock drafts show he is a second round type player.
1: I think he'll be a top, I think he could be a top 50 pick. Yes. But a top 30 pick, eh, maybe, you never know. know. And I think that's an example, again, of the wide-ranging opinion on players. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because I'm telling you, Maddie, I think on night one – there's going to be three or four players where people go, who, where,
2: now, My, Huh? that guy? And then people that probably last in the second round that you're thinking, yep. I didn't think they'd be available yeah, here. Yeah, unbelievable value, I can't believe, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. But that's- laughs> one, of the, one of the unbelievable values you, you talk about that they had in this podcast was Zay Flowers lasted until the second round.
1: Yeah, and, and in Dane Brugler's mock draft, he was down at pick 30 mm-hmm. or something, I think. Uh, who we just had on earlier this hour. So is A-Flowers sliding, or is that just a difference of opinion? That's why this draft, I think, is going to be so (laughs) topsy-turvy because it's even more wide-ranging opinion than we typically see in a given year. Jeremy on the tweet sheet says, I voted B, which is, again, four top offensive tackles off the board. There's no greater asset than an amazing O-lineman. Look at that quarterback that was in New England for 20 years. I forget his name, but he won a lot of games with just average average quarterback talent. What's he talking about?
2: Average ooh, ooh. I think
1: he means average line talent. Um, he's kind of contradicting himself a little bit here, but nevertheless, yeah, and here's the thing too, Maddie. I think early on in this draft process and some of those mock draft watches that you've done kind of speak to this in the early going. People were talking about an interior O-lineman for the Bills, and then the Bills signed not only Connor McGovern in free agency, but also David Edwards from the L.A. Rams. And suddenly the need for an interior offensive lineman goes away, and I think more Bills fans said, wow, looks like we got guards shored up, so let's go look at tackles now. Um, The problem is tackles are probably going to come off the board a little earlier. Not to say there aren't tackles to be had in round two, you know, like a Bergeron potentially, or maybe even Dewan Jones, who many people think is down in round two now, the behemoth kid out of Ohio State. His teammate Paris Johnson is going to probably go in front of the Bills, but there'll be others, you know, in round two and maybe even round three, you know, that you can develop into somebody or maybe develop into a swing tackle role or compete with David Quessenberry, you know, who's back here and re signed. It'll be interesting, but. It seems like most people are, are on the offensive line train here in the early going.
2: Yeah, DeWand Jones is a name that I've seen pop up in mock drafts uh, heading to the Bills. In round one, one or two? One or two times he has popped up in round one, but okay. this was early on. This was a PFF mock draft, and it was early March, I want to say, if I can find it. Um... Osiris Torrance a very hot name early on he's kind of fallen off in terms of the mock drafts um, and him heading to the Bills at number 27 because like you said I I talked to Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports and I brought up you know the offensive line position was really hot for the Bills for for a second there in in March and even after Mm -hmm. free agency for a bit then it kind of tapered off and he said well look at who the Bills have gotten in free agency that that whole not not necessarily Completely filled, but it's more filled than other positions.
1: Yeah, because as we mentioned, David Edwards, Connor McGovern in free agency at the guard spot, but then David Quessenberry, and you have Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins. So and you also have Tommy Doyle coming back from ACL surgery. He figures to be healthy and ready to roll this year. So that's four tackles right there. Mm-hmm. Let alone anybody else they add. Jack on the tweet sheet says they need weapons. So if the top two wide receivers and best tight ends are gone, then trade back, add some more picks where the value is better. And we've heard a lot of that, Maddie. Round two and three is largely considered the meat and potatoes of this draft in terms of value all the way through from pick 32 to pick 96 or whatever it is at the end.
2: Yeah, there's going to be value for them in the second round, or the third round, whether you want wide receiver, whether you want tight end. Uh, we heard Dane Brewer say you, you can get some good value in the second round for some of those edge rushers. Uh, defensive tackle, it seems like more is in the first round where you're yeah, going to get that value. Deep. Not as deep as the edge rushers, but I could, you know. The more that I, I talk about the draft, the more that we talk to people on the show, the more that it could make sense for the Bills to just trade out of the first round if, if they believe that they can get what they want in the second round and in the third round, wherever those picks fall. and. You also talk to people about the Chiefs and what the Chiefs have done and the fact that the Chiefs played all these rookies last year and it worked for them. And by the time they got to the playoffs, these rookies were playing really good ball because they had the entire regular season to figure it out. And and a guy like Isaiah Pacheco and the, the Bills with where they're at and in their journey with their quarterback and paying players – it makes sense to maybe want to get some more draft picks because Mm -hmm. of the contracts that these draft picks are going to be on because of the value that they offer you and how much you don't have to pay them for four years.
1: And that's exactly what Samuel on the tweet sheet says. Trade down in any scenario. It's much more beneficial to trade back to around 37 to 40. Pick up an additional three in the process. Third round pick, he means. Example. Bills give up 27 and 205, their first and their seventh. Raiders give them 38 and 70. You take Campbell at 38, and we're off and running.
2: <laughs> yeah, figured I mean, out.
1: The analytics say historically it's better to trade back than to trade up because you're giving yourself more opportunities at players. So if you miss on one but hit on the other, it's just more more bites at the apple. That's really just what it's about at its core. No pun intended. Uh, quickly fill on the tweet sheet. I would trade down, but it's not position specific for me. It's about value. And I don't think the bills need any position specifically. They could improve with a day one starter at four positions in year one, offensive tackle, defensive end, middle linebacker, wide receiver. If there isn't value left there, move back because D line tight end corner have mid round value. It is a good corner, corner draft in Mm -hmm. terms of depth. It's a good tight end draft. In terms of depth, and as you already said, it's good for edge rusher, less so for defensive tackle.
2: And for the cornerback position, I mean that's a name that we've seen pop up in mock drafts for the defensive backs and the corners more more corners as of late than safeties because of the Bills keeping Jordan Poyer on the team and also signing Taylor Rapp, but the second round and the third round I could I could easily get on board with the defensive back because of the depth that you saw this yeah. position that position group needed last season with the injuries and and with the fact that Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer are on the end of their NFL careers. Who knows what's going to happen there? And and maybe you want to find some guys who, who can be next in line whether that is Taylor Rapp or, or Damar Hamlin but you also have to think about the cornerback position as well yes Kair Elam is there but but Tredavious White's last season wasn't what we were all expecting I think we're all hoping that he could become the Trey White before the injury this season but we haven't been able to see that yet we will see once the season begins
1: yeah because you have Trey and Kyir. And then you also have Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, provided he stays at corner and doesn't transition to safety. And then you have Taron Johnson in the slot. So Rand Neal has kind of been a backup guy over the years, but he's not a true nickel. Mm -hmm. So I think if they go corner in the mid-rounds, I think it would be a guy that could play nickel for them. So in the event that, God forbid, Taron Johnson gets hurt, you've got an answer that you can slide in there who's used to the spot, knows what the role is, And can play so and there should be nickels in those middle rounds because it's usually the outside guys that go early the smaller quicker guys go a little bit later you might be able to get some good value there break time for us maddie and i'll wrap it up next here on one bills live stay tuned All right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you. One final segment, couple of final thoughts on the tweet sheet. Ron says, if the top wide receivers and tackles are gone, then yes, trade back. Possibly target either Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell or the next best tackle if they fit the value. And Lance says, if Hopkins is available and the top two or three guys on the Bills board are gone, then make the deal to acquire Hopkins for pick 34 for 27. I got news for you. Yeah. You're not You're not getting – I don't think the Bills are giving up a one for Hopkins. You're saying they would get the Arizona two back, though. That eh, – got to make the money work.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, much well, as the what's, compensation the, what's the money work, like?
1: It's the money That's that has to work, key. too. That's the extra layer to this whole thing mm-hmm. that makes that deal so difficult to pull off and why no team has pulled it off yet. That's it for Maddie and I today. Steve is back tomorrow. Thanks for your help today, Maddie. But we will see you tomorrow with more draft coverage at 1. We'll see you then.